0: Welcome to Professor Dave Debates. Hey
1: everyone, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about hunting. Is it ethical? Is it unethical? It's uh, one of those polarizing topics I think a lot of people have very strong opinions on this one way or another, whether they have been hunting their whole lives or if they are strongly opposed to hunting or killing animals of any kind. But there, uh, there's a lot to talk about here, and uh, today to help us with this topic is Jason Goldman, who is a science journalist and wildlife reporter, and uh, recently uh, began hunting for the, for the first time and uh, has some interesting perspectives on this. Uh, definitely a lot of things that... Uh, aren't immediately obvious in terms of economic ramifications and uh, a lot of things that uh, I think a lot of people would find very interesting. Uh, so Jason is on the show today. He uh, is also the founder and director of Sci-com Camp. Uh, so if you're a science communicator and you're interested in this, uh, it's really a blast. Uh, I've been I'm going to be going again this year. It's uh, November 2nd to 4th in uh, in los angeles so uh, if you're a science communicator and you're interested in that uh, go to scicomcamp.com for some more information and you can also follow jason on all the social media accounts Uh, he is at jgold85 so it's just me and jason today no moderator uh, but we had a really delightful talk so let's get into this episode now and find out is hunting ethical Hey guys, this is Dave here. I'm here with Jason Goldman and we're going to be talking about hunting. Is hunting ethical? Uh, I'm going to take the stance that uh, it is unethical. I just, uh, I'm just, i not a big hunter. I don't like the idea of killing animals, which I know is slightly hypocritical because I do eat animals. But uh, I'm just going to sort of take that baseline and we'll go from there. So Jason, what do you think?
2: Uh well uh I suppose my position um and and what I argue in, in in a feature article I have right now is that hunting uh can be ethical.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So for those who might say it's not where can we sort of uh highlight some key some key arguments here? Well I think I mean we
2: have to start from the question of um uh, you know, d- do you find it acceptable? Do you find it ethical to eat animals in the first place? Right. right? Okay. So if you don't, then then that's one question. But like, assuming that it's okay um, for humans to consume other animals mm-hmm. um, for for food, um, then we then then we can start to ask, you know, under what circumstances um, can we kill animals to eat them, and, right. and what's the most ethical way, and um, you know, sort of uh, uh, under what circumstances we can feel most comfortable with.
1: With that process. Okay. So if I, so just taking my stance, I do believe it is, uh, it is ethically feasible to eat animals as life just feeds on life. That's what life does. And so I guess like, like many people, it's more the suffering, uh, the factory farming, that aspect that I don't like. So I try to shop ethically and things like that. So what you're saying here is sort of along the lines of, if you're going to hunt you're going to hunt your own, uh, food that that is uh, you you know what's going on with the animals you know that there's a you know a, minima, a minimization of suffering there and that that in fact is a more ethical way to go
2: right right so one way if one way perhaps to uh think about minimizing the suffering of animals is um to really really know where those animals on your plate came from and mm-hmm. um for uh, a fact right i did it and right, i put it there right i want yeah. i mean there there are there are sensibly multiple ways to know, even if you're sort of, uh, buying into the, um, sort of consumer meat market. Um, but, but one really clear way to know where the food on your, on your plate is coming from and, and those animals, um, is, is to kill them yourself, right? Mm-hmm. To go fishing, to go hunting. Um, and I see this as someone who, um, you know, I didn't grow up doing this. I, um, for, for, for a story that I, that I reported that's out, uh, right now and, Alta Magazine. I, I learned how to hunt ducks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never shot a shotgun before, so this um, is
1: not even coming from a perspective of "Oh, this is just what my family does." And no, sorry, coming... to lapse into a Southern accent there. But, <laughs> you know, it's not a tradition here. This is something that you've just decided uh, logically. Uh, yeah, this like, is something
2: it's... that personally I thought was interesting, interesting to explore, and also as from the perspective of a journalist, you know, mm-hmm. uh, hunting uh as someone who writes about wildlife and conservation, um I've written about hunting before and it's something that I didn't understand. And mm-hmm. so I thought it would be uh interesting and useful um and important to, to try to experience it to try to understand it. Um so uh so yeah, the, if you're if you're out there hunting, um, you know, you're gonna go after a duck or a deer or something um, right. and and eat it, then you uh you can you're gonna try to do whatever you can to minimize the suffering of that animal, right?
1: And that and that is something that just goes along with this culture that we need to cultivate. Uh, just hunting properly, and uh, you uh, going through all the educational steps to make ensure that you're doing this in the most ethical way.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's not. It's you know, if you grow up in an urban area like I did, and um, you know, you're only familiar with like the ducks that are swimming around. Like in a pond in mm-hmm. the park, like feeding with bread, right? Th- yeah. Throwing them breadcrumbs or whatever. Um, you might think, and, it's, and you might reasonably think that, like, how hard can this be? Like, mm-hmm. I can almost reach out and grab them. If by I pull hands. out a gun right now, it's over. Right, right. Yeah. Um, uh, but the truth is that those the, the those
1: are those Sort are, of domesticated. They're used to people.
2: They're they're certainly used to people, but they also they're also used to the habitat. Right. And, and even if even if these are the same wild ducks that you know that migrate, um they're not dumb they know where they're safe Mm -hmm. and they know where there's a risk Mm -hmm. right and even even in some of these habitats that i for the story went out to hunt on um they know what parts of the habitat are safe you know where there's no duck blinds let's say and where there are they know what time of day uh legal hunting starts and ends Mm -hmm. um so yeah, in a in a urban park in Los Angeles, you know. How, how do
1: we know that they know that just just by analysis of behavior?
2: Yeah, I mean, you can sort of um, you know, it, it, people who spend, you know, uh uh weekend after weekend out there, um, you know, all through the hunting season year after year. Um uh you can sort of it, it's very I mean, it's very anecdotal, right? Mm-hmm. Um I'm sure there are studies looking at uh how how animal behavior differs during hunting season, out of hunting season, um, these kinds of things. But what I'm talking about is you can sort of anecdotally uh, uh, feel it. You know, the ducks, um, you know, they'll be flying along super high right over your head, and then you know what what parts of the land are safe, right? Mm-hmm. There, there are certain areas that are that are closed to hunting, even like what, during legal hunting hours. Mm-hmm. So they come really high over you, and then drop down low only once they're over a safe zone right for example it
1: seems unlikely to be coincidental right especially right. if it's patterned behavior right right and, i mean and and
2: if once a duck has spent a few uh, a week let's say um you know on its migration once a duck has spent a week in an area it'll learn pretty quickly the ones that didn't learn are the ones that got right tried. exactly that's
1: um, natural selection at its finest <laughs> right
2: right and even um you know you're out there um at like four, five in the morning, you know, setting up and getting ready for hunting, but it's not, uh, hunting becomes legal, at least in California, 30 minutes before sunrise, mm-hmm. right? Until 30 minutes after sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you know what time sunrise is and you're, you're sort of waiting for it. Um, and while you're setting up, like ducks are flying around, they're, they're waking up, like they buzz right by your blinds, no problem, but then like- you
1: can't shoot, what happens if you- But then like
2: as soon as there's like a little bit of light in the sky, right. all of a sudden like- They know. Like where do they go?
1: So what what are the penalties if you disobey those time limits? Well ordinances? then it's poaching.
2: Okay. Right. Um, and and you can be prosecuted um, okay. for 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 wildlife
0: poaching.
1: Mm-hmm. Now so one question that immediately comes to mind because we're talking a lot about ducks and and deer, uh must there must be a species by species uh, regulation here, right? Because we, we, this, what we're talking about certainly can apply to ducks, but it cannot apply to say endangered species or big game or things like that, right? Yeah.
2: Um, it's species by species and also uh, sometimes, uh, there's different regulations by sex. Okay. Um, and that's, that's part of the way that state wildlife agencies, like for us, the California Department of Fish and Wildlife, um, manage, uh, uh wildlife. Um, so if it's a wildlife species that is legal to hunt, like like ducks or um, like mm-hmm. mallard, or what
1: what are most of them do? How long is that list? Oh, um, I mean, there's
2: a there's a handful of mammals that are legal to hunt: um, uh, deer, black bears, um, uh, squirrels, rabbits, um, pronghorn in some areas, um, things like that. Um, all kinds of waterfowl. There's all all the duck species, geese. Mm -hmm. Um, what else is there? Legal hunting for, um, whole bunch of stuff, Mm -hmm. whole bunch of stuff. Um, but yeah, there are, there are limits on how much, how many animals you can kill in a day, how many dead animals you can have in your possession at once. Mm -hmm. Um, and also species by species. So let's say the bag, the daily bag limit for ducks in California is seven, right? Mm -hmm. You can only shoot seven a day. Um, but, um, I think i uh, it's been a while since i've um like dug deep into these regulations, but I think it's only like um you know only if, if you get, you can get seven mallards, but only two of them can be females or something like mm-hmm. that um and state wildlife agencies which are in charge of managing their wildlife um set these limitations based on the population of animals that they're managing, so um if they want to reduce the numbers of uh, population, then maybe they increase the number of females you can take.
1: Right. Okay. If so they, so
2: so they can they can change these regulations by species and by sex mm-hmm. in order to accomplish the kind of management objectives that they have.
1: So there are so there are times where there's a particular species that's overpopulated and they specifically want to encourage people to hunt them more. What's an example? Sure. Well, of that?
2: so think about in many states, uh, deer. Okay. Right. Uh, white-tailed deer in the east. Um, we have mule deer out here in the west, but this is I think this is more of a white-tailed deer kind of thing. Too many deer. Um, Yeah, because we've, frankly, killed off all of their natural predators, right? Right. Um, There are not so many wolves anymore or mountain lions. Um, And uh, so one of the most important predators left for a deer is a human. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, one way that a state wildlife management agency might, uh, might, one tool in the toolbox to manage wildlife um, is to harvest males versus females, let's say, Mm -hmm. or young versus old um and so they can put these kinds of regulations in place to achieve those goals.
1: What what is the do we know much about the specific detriment that overpopulation of say deer pr- uh, provides to to uh, well
2: um i i think I, it's, it's a complicated question. One one obvious one is um deer vehicle collisions. Okay. Right? There's too many deer, they're getting on the roads there. Um and then you hit one and um there's there's a uh, there's like a, a an economic impact from that, right? There's also mm-hmm. a human health mm-hmm. impact, um, and uh, uh, if that's happening too often, um, you know, m- like not that you ever want someone to crash into a deer, but but if but if that's happening statistically too often, um, then then you need to find ways of of reducing the size of that population, maybe. Yeah. Um. So that's uh, one obvious example.
1: Okay. And then are there are there. Are there certain species, even in these, uh, e- even in these regions where we are hunting very typically that are just totally off limits? Uh,
2: sure. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, um, there's legal hunting, but the, uh, t- to get a tag for that animal is very hard to do. There's okay. a lottery or, you know, there's, there's only a handful of permits a year. Um,
1: for example, is like more of a rare bird or something like that. Um, uh,
2: yeah I think it's I think in, in the u s at least it's more th- that kind of limitation is more common for mammals like um it's um pretty hard to get um, a mule deer tag in certain regions mm-hmm. of the state it's pretty hard to get um you know like if you want to go uh, hunt uh, uh, a bison up in Alaska there's only a handful of mm-hmm. um, tags that are given out for that um by a lottery system every year um um bighorn sheep, I think, are also on a lottery in many places. Um, so these are cases where um you know, there may be a uh small uh small population size, but um the amount of money that a wildlife agency can get um from that hunt um might be able to be funneled back into conservation efforts. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So so there's lots of different reasons a wildlife agency might um want to promote a hunt.
1: Okay. So even if the numbers are not great of a particular species just the 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 income generated by allowing hunting in small numbers will actually be a net positive for that species if that if that income is used in right, an intelligent right and way. that's
2: that's that's the big if. And this is the argument with trophy hunting, right? Which is a different kind of Different kind of hunting than we're talking about this kind of food hunting. Right. And and, and we should talk
1: about that, though, because I, I think that that is what generates the hostility towards hunting is because a lot of people jump to this imagery of these people with, you know, they killed a tiger or they killed an elephant or they killed someone. And that obviously, you know, I think people get very emotional about that. And so we have to understand, right, there are penalties, very significant penalties, uh, for that kind of hunting, right? And how big of a problem is that? And then we can segue into this aspect too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, so in in the United States, um, like statistically, um, as long as, as long as people have been asking this question, you know, do, do you, do do you support people's right to hunt animals for food? Basically, Mm -hmm. um, support is overwhelmingly high. It's like, it's like 78, 80%, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, um, you know, there's certainly a, a, uh, segment of the population who who does find this problematic, but but overall, mm-hmm.
1: America, those are largely people that are opposed to eating animals at all.
2: Maybe I mean there's there's yeah. there's also um, many uh, vegans, let's say, um, who support hunting, like they think that hunting is ethically o- ethically okay if as a source of meat yeah. as opposed to factory, factory farming. farming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, as I've sort of gotten into these communities and and sort of reporting these stories, I've come to learn that vegans and hunters have a lot more in common than than you might expect mm-hmm. um at least at least some sections of those communities but when it comes to trophy hunting obviously that's a very different situation mm-hmm. and, and there are there are cases where those things overlap right you might want to go out for your trophy buck with a great uh rack a great great set of antlers right um but you're still going to eat that deer mm-hmm. right um yeah nobody eats the tiger that they kill right well uh, <laughs> It depends. Um, so, so I reported a story um, a couple years ago now um, for Biographic about um, what might be, uh, first of all, the world's most expensive trophy hunt mm-hmm. and perhaps one of the most sort of sustainable ethical ones. And it's for this um, animal. It's it's for this mountain goat in the hills of Tajikistan, hills, the mountains of Tajikistan, that like, like no one's ever heard of. It's called a marhor. It's okay. a really cool mountain goat, really cool twirly horns. Mm-hmm. Um, like one hundred and twenty thousand u s dollars, oh wow, to go and kill one of these things, okay. um, and people will eat that because of the numbers uh, yeah' it's, it's um, when, um, it 's endangered when by the like late 1990s, there were like three hundred and fifty of these things in the wow. wild. Um, uh, now those numbers have increased, and in part that 's because some of the communities there which had which had poached these animals out um, for food um, were convinced to stop poaching if that meant that they could then sell trophy hunts to wealthy foreigners right right
1: because there's much more money in that right right
2: yeah. um so so a uh, wealthy foreigner comes in pays all kinds of money to be able to to do this and that person takes home like the the skin and the horns and whatever um but the meat uh, you know the, the hunter and his guides will will eat that night but the rest of the animal will go and be distributed among the communities that mm-hmm. live in this area. So this is a case where the animal that was trophy hunted does get consumed, right? It, mm-hmm. it is an important uh, source of food, mm-hmm. um, but that's obviously not the main motivation for the hunt.
1: Right. It's just the rarity, just the the, the trophy itself. Right.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. And and in this case, you know, in, in Tajikistan, where I was, um, it, it varies year by year. But I think the year the year I was there, um, there were seven seven licenses that were given out that year, mm-hmm. um, for legal hunts of these marhor. Okay.
1: So that's, um, that's, that's almost a million dollars. Yeah. And, and this is, this is, this is a case where,
2: um, I mean, y- y- yes, like this amount of money, this part of the world, like there's going to, there's just going to be some corruption. Mm-hmm. There just, there just will be. Yeah. Um, it's almost part of the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but but there's also uh, a measurable conservation outcomes. There are there there, there are more marcor today um, after several years of legalized hunting than there were ten years ago,
1: mm-hmm. um, and the numbers are not dropping in an alarming way. They're at least they're increasing. They're increasing. They're increasing.
2: Okay. Okay. And, um, and 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 because of the way these communities, you know, these these are sort of bottom up community driven um, hunting programs. This isn't like a foreign outfitter coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the really important reasons why it's working, is that the people who live there, the ones who used to be poaching these animals, um, uh, are starting to draw connect the dots between species conservation, and like uh, 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 observable improvements to their lives. Right. right. So like the money from these hunts. Um, yeah, where does
1: that go? And when you said, when you were mentioning corruption, what, what does that look like? Right.
2: So a US dollars, right? Some portion of that goes to the federal government. Some portion, some portion of that goes to the regional government and like ostensibly, um, those governments are supposed to use that money for certain things. Mm -hmm. Whether or not they do is, is, let's say a question.
1: That's another battle to fight. Right.
2: But, but what, what we do know, or at least, at least what, what I observed, um, was that the uh, communities, the, 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 at least the portion of the money that they retain, um, get together as a community to decide how to spend this money. So I've seen um, playgrounds that were built for children with mm-hmm. um, trophy hunting money, mm-hmm. um, solar panels and batteries that were bought for the, for the hospital to keep the lights on at night, um, books for the school children and vaccines. Um, one entire community was vaccinated against, I think it was measles. Um, water pipes, kilometers long water pipes to bring water into the villages so that the young children, usually Mm -hmm. the young girls don't have to go out and get it. They can spend time in school. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: All undeniably pretty good stuff. Right. right. Um, (laughs) yeah, uh,
2: there was one village, um, where someone had gotten mauled by a bear and trophy hunting money was used to pay for his medical expenses. Mm -hmm. Um, so all of these kinds of benefits to the to to, to the daily lives of these people um, uh are possible thanks to this mm-hmm. source of income. Um yeah. so and, if, and if they can draw the connection between not poaching, right, and, right. and these kinds of benefits, from right. um, they can
1: capitalize on the existence of a rare species in right. their in their vicinity. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: And and they can sort of scientifically, you know, it, it can be managed. The the scientists, the ecologists can say you know this is how many animals you can sustainably remove from the population mm-hmm. and for me you know again if you think it's never okay to kill an animal then i you know then That's then, a different then we don't have we don't have much wiggle room right, right? exactly but like for me maybe it's okay may, maybe it's okay to sacrifice a handful of these animals mm-hmm. in order to for, for the good of the broader yeah, population in a
1: controlled way in a controlled strategic way right. yeah right, so, right. And there is a net positive right that's very interesting, right.
2: and and some of those same dynamics are at play when it comes to meat hunting. D- mm-hmm. Different 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 kinds of communities, different kinds of outcomes, different different kinds of things that money gets spent on, mm-hmm. um, right? But like uh, it differs state by state in the U.S., but um, in general, state wildlife agencies um, draw um, uh, a large proportion, if not uh, most, or in some states all, of their funding from From hunting, from the sale of licenses, Mm -hmm. hunting licenses and tags, um, uh, from um, also uh, money that flows to them through the Pittman-Robertson and Dingle-Johnson Acts, um, which in the U.S., which are U.S. level um, laws that place excise taxes on certain things. So uh, the Pittman-Robertson Act places an excise tax on guns and ammunition. Mm -hmm. So anytime in the U.S. you go and buy a gun or you buy ammunition... Um, there's a tax on that, which goes into a fund, which then gets distributed to the States to state wildlife agencies for use, um, for habitat improvement, wildlife conservation Mm -hmm. and hunter education. Um, so whether, even if you're not buying your gun for hunting, you're buying it for, you know, something else. Um, you are buying into that. You're paying into that conservation system. Dingle Johnson act is similar, but for fishing for boat fuel, um, similar kind of process. So, um, so wildlife agencies, you know, at, at least now, right? The way the way that the funding flows in the United States, mm-hmm. um, which is not to say that it can't be different if we pass different laws, um, but right now that's a really important source of revenue for um, for wildlife.
1: So with all with all those additional costs, do is poaching a problem? Is it is it uh, declining, or is there are we seeing more poaching in, in the U.S.? Yeah, um, or or actually internationally. Well, I mean, I mean. Yes,
2: wildlife poaching is a problem everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be more or less rampant in certain places. But, um, Do we have
1: any numbers as to which direction that might be going? I,
2: I don't offhand. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly internationally, um, legal killing of wildlife is a huge problem. Yeah. Um, you know, all throughout Africa and, you know, lots yeah. of... Yeah.
1: What does this look like in Africa? I'm curious.
2: Um, well, I mean, tons of um, wildlife... Um, it makes its way um, into sort of black markets for wildlife products, right? That's um, you know when you think of someone shooting a deer that is illegal to shoot, that that's poaching. But that's um, it, it, we it sort of feels different from mm-hmm. from you know taking out an elephant for its tusks, right? Mm-hmm. Which is also poaching. Yeah. Um, um. So so talk about poaching as like one big umbrella term co- covers all of those things, mm-hmm. right? Um, it covers. Um, you know, reeling in a protected shark, mm-hmm. um, and not releasing it right away. Um, it covers, you know, um, killing, uh, migratory birds in the U S, um, that are protected by the migratory bird protection act, uh, or whatever it's called. Okay. Um, it covers, you know, shooting two, it covers sh- taking home nine ducks instead of your daily bag limit of seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course it covers shooting rhinos and elephants and, the things um unless it's done in a and there is you know some legal hunting for those animals, um legal mm-hmm. trophy hunting for those animals. But um pa- poaching the way I think of it, poaching just means illegal hunting.
1: Okay. Um, anything that's going against then, the But then but then to talk to talk more mm-hmm.
2: specifically that's sort of drill down.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I just have this uh, the imagery of just yeah, the, the the guy that looks like Teddy Roosevelt uh, <laughs> just going and killing uh, right. whatever he wants. Yeah. I think that's really the the main hurdle in terms of imagery to have to get around in convincing the general public of some of these kinds of uh, ideas. Yeah,
2: it's also, frankly, one of the things I wrote about in this story that's out right now is um, the main hurdle in recruiting new hunters, right? Is is sort of your basic image of a hunter is um, a white man uh, in middle age... Um, you know, going out with his dog and his son, rarely his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the hunting community is a little bit more diverse than that, but certainly could be a lot more diverse than that. Yeah, um, And uh, it's something that, again, state wildlife agencies, which depend on hunting revenue, um, want to see a more diverse mm-hmm. hunting community. Yeah,
1: I think you might be the first person I've ever met that's ever been hunting at all. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, I mean, and we come from, like re- like, like, we come from... I grew up here in Los Angeles. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you grew up. Connecticut, um, but you know, suburbia, like, yeah. suburban, urban, liberal mm-hmm. enclaves, right? Yeah. Like, uh, but uh, we had
1: tons of deer everywhere. Right. <laughs> right. But like, yeah.
2: a, and one of the things, one of the things I realized, like, I was in learn, you know, going through the process of learning how to hunt. So f- f- first thing I did was, um, so, so in order to get a hunting license in California or any state um, in the U.S., you have to take a class hunter safety class and and you're not just learning uh hunter safety or gun safety you're also learning lots of things about wildlife conservation and um how to identify wildlife and how to be safe Mm -hmm. while you're out in the woods right um you know first aid all these kinds of things um it's quite intense um you could do it in a classroom um for i believe 10 hours in california for 10 hours or you can do like an online sort of like online traffic school sort Mm -hmm. of thing um, followed by a shorter in-class um, thing, and then a test. So I did. I did the online version. Um, learned a lot, frankly. I, I took pages and pages and pages of notes. And I'm a, I'm a, uh, you know, I've been covering wildlife conservation is, issues for years. I was a, I got my PhD in animal behavior, and I still learned a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just like, not just like the gun and ammunition stuff that mm-hmm. I had no idea about. Um, still learned a ton. Um, and then in the in-class, they kind of go over those things again. But also, and this was interesting to me, um, you have to, in front of the instructor, uh, successfully load and unload three different kinds of firearms mm-hmm. safely. Yeah.
1: Um, Which is, yeah, that, that, seem, that makes a lot of sense to me, yeah. definitely.
2: Um, and then you have to take the test and pass it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the test is like a 100 multiple cho- choice questions, something like that. So you have to pass the test, and the instructor has a sign off on your firearm handling. Um, to get a hunting license, right? Like, not to buy a gun in the first place, mm-hmm. right? But to get the hunting, like, to be able to use the gun for hunting. Legally in the... Um, yeah. Right. You have, to, you have to do all of these things. And and by the way, just getting a hunting license doesn't then mean that you are a proficient hunter. Like, mm-hmm. that just means that you can legally go out into the woods. You get to right? start. Yeah. But, like... That's your driver's license. license. Then you have to figure out, like where to go to find an animal, how to get the animal close enough to be within safe shooting distance, um, how to kill it cleanly, Mm -hmm. um, how to identify, how to know which ones are legal or not, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, like just, it's, it's so
1: much harder than I thought it was. Um it's uh, that is intriguing. I like the idea that the whole prospect of hunting legally is sort of a promotion for the self-education process yeah, in yeah. general. You get you, you you it teaches you like hey, if you want to do this, you you have to learn all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, and in general in life if you want to do anything like this, you have to learn yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah. And 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 yeah. for me, like I'd
2: never held a shotgun before. Mm-hmm. Um so I w- went to the uh, one of the gun ranges here outside of L.A. and got a lesson mm-hmm. and shot uh, uh, clays, um, which also like a lot harder than uh, you would expect, or at least than I expected. Yeah. The only um, you time know, I grew up playing gun, uh, duck hunt. Yeah, yeah I remember. <laughs> it yeah, it's not as easy as it is in the. It's Nintendo. not as easy as duck hunt. I
1: um, only shot a gun once. I think I was maybe 13 or something, and I did. Yeah, I did some skeet. And I, th- I think I got a couple of them, but I was like, all right, this is okay. So, so
2: I had, so I was, I was a little, b- I was, I was worried about a couple of things. First of all, I was, I was like, like I'm a, like I'm a, I'm a, you know, big L liberal. Um, you know, uh, is this gonna change the way I feel about gun control? Like, mm-hmm. n- no, like you can still be a hunter and and be favor of gun control mm-hmm. or increase gun control. Like I, I am. Yeah. Um, is this gonna make me? Um, like callous and uncaring about uh, life or animal life. No, I think I'm actually more attuned to these things than I was Maybe before. The contrary,
1: yeah, because you have to physically do the killing yourself. Right.
2: I mean, so I um I spent three days out in duck blinds um before I was successful. I spent mm-hmm. a whole weekend without uh, barely shooting at anything. Like it was just there was not just not not many ducks in the air. But then I went out a third day with with my with my mentor, um and 10.30 in the morning, shot a female mallard. Um, I, mean, I, I, I still remember it. Um,
1: I thought a mallard meant a male duck.
2: No, no. So the mallard, the male is a drake, and the female oh. is a hen. Okay. But mallard's a species. Got it. Um, I,
1: again, I was under a misconception there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, so I saw I shot a hen mallard, mm-hmm. um, 10.30 in the morning. Um, it was a Wednesday, I believe. Um, and, you know, like the, the first thing was this, like, overwhelming uh need to make sure that she was like dead Mm -hmm. right um and and i found you know like you climb out of you you put you you re-engage the safety of the shotgun climb out of the blind wade through the marsh and you're like waiters and boots and everything and to to, like approximately where you think she fell um Mm -hmm. and and i found her and and my mentor sort of helped and she's a lot faster at these things than i was because she's used to all this stuff moving around in a marsh Mm -hmm. um and we found it, and she d- was lifeless, and sort of, you know, her eye was unresponsive. What do you do
1: if they're not? Smashing um, on the head with something. Or?
2: Yeah. So, so there's, um, uh, there's a couple of things you could do. One is you quickly wring its neck and break the, sever the spinal cord, mm-hmm. which, which and hope you which do which that feels, feels real visceral. <laughs> but there's also a device. I mean, it, look, it's. Um, this is not a. This is not an unviolent activity, mm-hmm. right? you're, 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 th- you're. you're you're taking shooting life. yeah you and you're, you're shooting you know hundreds of tiny little steel beads in the air, hoping to kill an animal
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and so yeah, you pick it up and she's dead, but she's also a little bit bloody and um but so there's this there's this device that um it's called a finisher right and if if it's not a clean kill shot and she's still alive or he um th- it looks kind of like a little coin with a hook on the end, and you can sort of um press it into the back of, like, right underneath the skull in the back of the head and, like, and, like um, dig it in, and that little hook will sever the, sever the, um, at the brainstem, sever, sever, sever the spinal cord of the brainstem. Mm-hmm. And that is, like, uh, an extremely humane way to right. kill an animal. It's just, right? like, lights off. That's how, that's how it's done in, in the research world, right? If you mm-hmm. have to sacrifice an animal, um, cervical dislocation, right, sever- severing the spinal cord from the brain at the brainstem, is considered an ethical way, mm-hmm. humane way to quickly kill an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, there are, there are really important ways, things that you need to know for if you don't get that good clean shot. Um, I was... Uh, I feel extremely lucky that I did, and I didn't have to um, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I still asked. Uh, I still asked her to sort of show me how this works um, mm-hmm. so that I would understand. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I don't think I became, like... More callous or more uncaring. I think I became more aware, more of, aware of life, of, yeah, in some I, ways, absolutely.
1: And um, our and our command over it, as opposed to me just going to the store and getting right. something in a in a little package, and I don't even I don't picture an animal when I right right. And I, I had yeah. some
2: I had some friends who you know uh, obviously I was talking about this for like I talk about all the stories I'm working on, you know, who maybe were a little uncomfortable with it. Um, and I'm like, well, where 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 do the chickens right. in where your fridge you, come from? You and, then, is, you know, yeah. they're like, well, they come from, like, they come from the supermarket. And I'm like, okay, but where the supermarket <laughs> get them? Like, like, this was an animal that was alive at one right. point. Yeah. Right. Right? Um, and I think, you know, e- e- even if, you know, even if hunting is certainly not for everyone, um, it takes, like, like we've been talking about, a lot of time and a lot of money to become an expert, to become really proficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe it's you know maybe it's yeah. not the way that some people want to experience the outdoors. It's not but
1: practical. It's really if you just enjoy it. Uh, for us, it for us, yeah. there are people like that's that's how they get food.
2: If you right? live in the middle of Alaska, um, or, yeah. But um, but uh, but I I I sort of do think that everybody should uh, everybody who who eats meat at least should at least wit observe it if not do it themselves mm-hmm. um, to really understand. Yeah, is this um,
1: related really, so in research I I read about this field to fork perspective yeah. what what does that mean exactly?
2: Well, so I mean this is a this is a thing that um you know you hear about in restaurants that you know all the all the ingredients are local, you know they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't come from far away. They came they came from like the farm down
1: right. the road. Farm to table. Right, farm to table. Yeah. yeah, field to fork.
2: Mm-hmm. Um so f- field to fork is sort of like the hunting version of farm to table, mm-hmm. right? Um where um, you know, in general, as a, as a culture, um, at least those of us, um, you know, here in L.A. and big cities, you know, we're starting to think about where our food comes from. Yeah. I think people who live in more rural areas are probably um, a little bit more closely connected to some of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, people are starting to get into making their own beer, um, brewing their own kombucha um i don't know what you do do you brew it i don't know i don't know Um, (laughs) preserve uh uh, whatever you do kombucha um you know canning their own preserves and you know all these kinds of like Mm -hmm. things that it's very trendy yeah and these are things that like we we don't have to do anymore right Mm -hmm. it's easy to go to the market to buy jam right um or to buy beer um but there's something it, it connects you maybe a little bit more to the food that you're eating. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's very interesting. And 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 and, yeah. and hunting is hunting is like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hunting allows you to do that. Uh, and fishing, I, I think, um, it's certainly you know it's different than there's different ethical stakes than like you know preserving fruit, mm-hmm. <laughs> frankly. But
1: um, well, that's what makes field to fork such a brilliant like a rebranding thing. Like it's, that's something you would say to people at a farmer's market and they'd be, they'd be into it. So is this part of like a marketing strategy to get some hipster hunters? Like, are we going for trying to get a new demographic into the activity?
2: Yeah. So this is something I talked about with um, one of the people from California department of fish and wildlife who, who was hired. I I think her title might be like marketing specialist um, in the department of uh, education, education, outreach, and communication, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, historically, hunting recruitment efforts have been targeted at the children of those people who are already hunters, right? They're white, they're male, they're middle class. Um, in particular, parts of the country, probably. Yeah, but even in even California, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's hard, like, like in any other kind of recruitment, um, it's easier for you to reach the communities that you're already attached to. Yeah. Um, it's harder to know how to reach other communities, how to message for other communities. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what, um, in general, fish and wildlife agencies and other hunting recruitment groups are are struggling with. Like, how do we reach beyond this, the the people that we're already good at reaching, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So one thing that um, I joked around with with this woman is, well, maybe you should be at farmer's markets, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of setting up a table at the Bass Pro Shop, like, because people going there are, are, are already bought in, right um go to the farmer's market you know these are people who are specifically going out there to buy food from from nearby their houses yeah right from like you know driving distance
1: yeah and you're like Um, i shot this humanely over there right and here we are
2: right um and so you know
1: i don't see i don't see very much meat at i go to some of the farmers markets in la i don't think i've ever seen any meat products. yes i mean
2: some you see you know beef and chicken i mean and, and, and by the way it's illegal to sell wild game Mm -hmm. in the United States, right? It's a violation of... Oh, okay. Several, several, like, part of the, part of the reason that we now have all these regulations that we've been talking about, um, is because at one time there was widespread, what's called market hunting in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. Commercial hunting. And because there was a huge market for it, um, and because killing technologies had improved, um, all of a sudden you saw widespread decreases in wildlife. You saw decreases in mm. almost everything, ducks, turkeys, bison, deer, bears, everything, right. everything, everything. So it
1: has to be illegal to go kill it yourself and sell it because otherwise they're all going to go extinct. All these, species. right. Right. Gonna-
2: and so part of the, part of the origin for these, uh, regulations and limitations, um, is, uh, to prevent that. Mm-hmm. Right. So y-
1: you can't sell it, but you can kill it. Right. You, can you can eat can it go and yourself.
2: Kill and eat yourself. And yep. there's limits and all these things. And, um, there's certain gray areas like if I if I if I kill a duck and you kill a, a goose, you know, can we trade those for no money and I give you my duck and you give me your goose? Like maybe. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um but you you can't you can't sell. And that's why right. when you go to a, like there's no restaurant that you can go to and eat wild that's game. That's truly fuel right? fork, yeah. So like here in LA there's a restaurant um that you can go to for like exotic meat, for like game, for like um uh bison and emu and Things like even. that, elk, elk even, but these are these are still farmed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, imported from other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not they're not <laughs> North American wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, even a duck that you go and you, you can buy a duck in a supermarket, but it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a different kind of duck. It's a domesticated duck, and you can even look at the meat. One of the things that was really interesting for me is the duck that I shot, and, and I, was, I was gifted a few more um, that first weekend that I didn't get anything. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple of ducks and a couple of geese. I, I cooked dinner for all my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the interesting things um, that I did was I went to the market and also picked up, like so I had some like duck breasts and goose breasts, and I also had a duck breast from the market and just looking at them visibly like visually you mm-hmm. can see the difference
1: right yeah. Um, yeah tell me more about that that's interesting well
2: so the the and i'm not a physiologist but as far as my understanding goes like the 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 duck breast from the market was like white looked a lot like chicken mm-hmm. the wild waterfowl the ducks and the geese were very dark um and like those wild ducks use those muscles like those breast muscles like they power flight right Oh Um, yeah. These domestic ducks in a, in a farm, you know, they're not really doing all that much fine. They're certainly not migrating thousands of miles. Um, so I I don't, you know, again, I'm not a physiologist. I don't, I don't know all the differences between different muscle types and whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, but in general you cook a wild duck breast, like you cook a steak, like it should be medium Mm. rare. Um, domesticated duck breast, you have to cook through like a chicken. Okay. Um, that's my understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh but yeah, so there's there's visual differences between the hmm. two. Um which is why you can go to a restaurant and get a duck. But but it's not a like it's not a mallard. It's right? not a wild duck. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's interesting. They're, so they're different animal. They really yeah. are. Like they're they're different animals.
1: So any any like any uh, any effort at like a farmer's market would be strictly promoting the activity, you know, presumably paid for by Whichever agencies are going to then profit by increased uh, uh, hunting permits and, and the tags and all the right. all that stuff.
0: Right,
2: right. It's going to be mm-hmm. to promote um, the idea of legal hunting, not to sell.
1: Yeah, that would wild be, game. <laughs> I'd be fascinated to witness the yeah. reaction.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think farm. it'd be
2: interesting. I mean, and, and you know what? So so the way I learned was I uh, or the way I started to learn was I went um, on this uh, like camp. That was put on by the uh, California Waterfowl Association. Mm-hmm. Up, uh, they, they have a private, um, privately owned land, a duck club, up on the Sassoon Marsh, which is about halfway between Oakland and Sacramento. Um, it's part of, like, uh, I think it's still one of the largest wetland complexes in the United States, it's certainly in California. And really important waterfowl habitat. Um, and reasonably high quality and pr- pretty well restored wildlife habitat because if you have a private duck club, the only way you're going to get ducks is by having good duck habitat, mm-hmm. right? So, so hunters they want good habitat. They want to attract those animals. And and by the way, if you accept funds um, from from state or federal wildlife agencies, um, and you're a hunting club, um, a certain percentage of the land must be closed to hunting. Right. Mm -hmm. So we are talking a little little bit more about safe zones. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a, there's a lot that goes on in these things that you don't hear about. But um, yes, I went on this weekend and there was about a dozen of us and this was, this was, they they do a lot of like, like one-on-one sort of intro hunting workshops. Um, This was not that just because of my schedule. This was like a, um, hunting weekend with um sort of a celebrity wild game chef named hank shaw and so mostly the people there were like people who came to hang out with him and 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 learn from him and um i think i was the only one who had never had any hunting experience um but anyway uh they were telling me that um they are seeing increasingly more participation in these kinds of events from urban liberal people from the bay area from la um there there are this demographic that we're talking about, this sort of farmer's market demographic mm-hmm. um, is buying in, is bit. starting to um, buy in there or at least exploring the question of can, can they imagine a future in which the meat that they eat comes from animals that they kill themselves as mm-hmm. perhaps a more ethical, more humane, n- general, like less net suffering way to get meat right. than, than buying into
1: um, I suppose it's a matter of just how often could they get by hunting, say, once a month and and get enough game to have their have their meat needs right. met. So
2: certainly not at first. Right. right. I mean, it takes time to get expertise mm-hmm. you need, and you need to identify people who will go hunting with you, which is harder if you come from like our background where your friends don't all do this right you have to you have to go out and do that networking find a community create find that community create that community and you have to be able to spend the money not just on the um, licenses and stuff but Mm -hmm. um, either on access to uh, private land to hunt or you have to get lucky and get access to public land hunt sometimes there's lotteries for blinds and things like that Um, all the equipment right like uh, duck hunting is not a uh, is not a, it's sort of a wealthy person's sport um you need all the equipment you need the yeah. waders you need the jackets you need the decoys and um frankly if the guy in the next line over has better decoys than you do the ducks are going to go to him and not to you so mm-hmm. you need better decoys mm-hmm. right um that's seems so there's like a lot of equipment lot, yeah. and a lot of things to learn and then there's the duck calls. you have to learn how to use the, like it takes so long right mm-hmm. so like If you start doing this like with your dad or your uncle or whatever when you're a kid, by the time you get to be, you know, 18, 20, 25 years old, maybe you've got some expertise and you really know what you're doing. And you Mm -hmm. can, you can, you know, during the course of duck season, fill up your freezer and then, and then you, and then it's deer season and then you can, you know, fill up your freezer again, right? right? And have meat for the year. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're starting as an adult like me, there's a different kind of learning curve, right? And so um even if i'm no even if i you know i have this experience and i decide yes i'm going to stop buying meat in right. the market i'm only going to eat meat that i kill myself or from animals that i kill myself mm-hmm. Now um, you're going then i'm ba- i'm going to be i'm going to be de facto vegetarian for yeah. a decade it's right be tough. like i might get a duck or two yeah um if i'm lucky um you know maybe i find someone who Teaches me how to shoot a deer, and that gives you a lot more meat. Mm-hmm. Um, but until you can be like, until you get that kind of proficient, mm-hmm. it takes it. It takes time, right? Yeah, so, it seems
1: like a high activation energy, but yeah, I think and, and that it's
2: and it's like maybe aspirational. Yeah, like th-
1: yeah, it's more those people who who are intrigued by the activity itself. Yeah, it also it put also off by it. Yeah.
2: This is something I wrote about in the article, right? So most hunters, um, in the United Meat Hunters would not do it if it were not for the meat. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. If it's not, it's not just about killing the animal. Right. Um. It's about, it's about going into nature and finding food. Yeah. Um. But if it wasn't also a ton of fun, like who's going to spend the time and money mm-hmm. to fill up their freezers. Right. If it's, if like, it's, if it's like, if it's like, if it's like the yeah. worst, right. Yeah. If it's like not fun. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and it, and it is like, yeah. I, I spent, like I said, three days in the field for, for one, for one, one female mallard. Yeah. Um, which is not a very good like rate of return, like return mm-hmm. on investment. Yeah, right. Um, and it was a blast. Nice. Like, yeah. uh, even the days, the two days that we got nothing, and both of us got mm-hmm. nothing. Um, you know, like I, I sort of said, well, like, we basically just birded. Yeah, you just hung out. Um, And it was such a different way of experiencing nature for me, right? Like, again, I'm a wildlife reporter. I spend a ton of time. I lead ecotourism trips in Mm -hmm. the tropics. Like, I spend a lot of time in nature.
1: More interactive than strictly observational.
2: That, and also, um, usually when you're hiking or you're walking through the jungle or whatever, like, you're moving, right? Right. You're like walking. And,. When you're especially for duck hunting and particularly you're sitting in a blind doing the best that you can to not move So that nature will do what nature does when there aren't people around Mm -hmm. Right, and you're trying to you using your call when there's a duck that flies over you try to lose your calls to Convince it to get a little bit closer Um, But you're staying in one spot for hours Mm -hmm. And so you start to see you know once once things sort of settle down you start to see animal behavior ideally doing what it does you start to see animal behavior as it looks when there aren't people right um and obviously that's like you know there aren't people around like that's never the case and but it's an approximation and we've talked about how like the ducks know where they're Mm -hmm. not safe from hunting so like you're not seeing maybe quite what it would look like when people aren't around but it's Mm -hmm. it's still very different than when you're walking right yeah and moving and talking and um you start to see the rhythms a, a, of, of a single piece of an ecosystem of a habitat through the day and through the season and mm-hmm. through the year. Um, it's a very different way of uh, experiencing nature than I've ever had
1: before. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Someone who's not even really a big fan of camping and might be a hard sell for me, but I see the appeal. And I mean, in general, uh, as a, as a meat eater, uh, everything we're talking about makes perfect sense to me. I think it's pretty, it's pretty bulletproof. I'm curious, do you ever, uh, when when you do encounter those people who do believe that eating meat or killing animals in any way, shape, or form is unethical, do you ever have a conversation about that, or do you just kind of go, look, that's a separate belief, and I just I really have nothing to say about it?
2: Yeah, I haven't had a ton of those conversations. Most of my friends are are, are carnivores. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, through through this reporting and through this work, I've met several people who were vegans and became hunters, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, you know, for, for a variety of reasons, sometimes for health reasons, sometimes. Right. Because if you're
1: Um, vegan, strictly opposing factory farming and the and the widespread suffering of animals, then this sort of uh, circumvents that.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it's. I would argue that uh, maybe there's a net reduction in suffering, Mm -hmm. not none. Right. You're still killing. Not not, none. Yeah. Animal.
1: Yeah. But you're not. It's not the thing where the chicks are getting thrown in the grinder and all this just really monstrous stuff that's going on. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, the stuff you see in those like viral videos, which yeah. which even even those are maybe questionable, you know how realistic those are. <laughs> right. But I think there's there's at least a portion of that popu- of like that vegan population, which um, you know I, it's hard for me to speak for them because I'm not I'm not that I'm not part of that community. Mm-hmm. But but um, uh, my experience seems to suggest that there's at least a portion of that community that um, uh, respects hunting as distinct from other forms of mm-hmm. carnivory
1: carnivory <laughs> that's a new word i like that what about um are, are, have you read up on like clean meat and things like that what does it look like? so clean meat is they're 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 uh, working on growing animal muscle tissue uh, like uh, lab, outs- lab grown lab grown animal muscle tissue
2: yeah that's interesting i've 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 tried it a few times it's mm-hmm. It's getting better. Like it's I remember when veggie burgers were just basically like a bunch of vegetables chopped together and mm-hmm. put into a patty shape, right? And that's not yeah. that's not like a ve- that's not doesn't taste like a burger. It tastes like carrots.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've never really enjoyed a veggie <laughs> burger. I haven't tried They they But the I've tried was, the Impossible burger. Yeah, they say um, that's pretty good.
2: It, it's the closest I've ever had. It's mm-hmm. still like it's still not, you know, it, it still doesn't taste exactly the same as like mm-hmm. a cheeseburger or whatever. But
1: what do you think about say actual cow meat? grown with no cow
2: oh i mean i think i think any you know we 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 are we're in a place where um wildlife and wild lands are in such trouble in many places that we cannot afford to say this is the solution we should go with and not try anything else right like Mm -hmm. we have to use all the tools in our toolbox
0: Mm -hmm.
2: so yes um more ethical forms of farming yes, lab grown meat, yes, regulated hunting, like mm-hmm. everything right, and different things will appeal to different people, but um you know and I think all of those things have a place in in sort of a more sustainable future,
0: yeah,
1: um I'm wondering when lab grown meat is a reality and is ubiquitous, I wonder how where it's gonna to be tougher to find the justification for killing an animal at all It could in be any circumstance. It could be. um
2: yeah. lab grown meat still um. It's interesting, like from a from a from a legal perspective, and and I'm not a lawyer, right? But mm-hmm. um, like the idea that a company has, like, uh, 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 owns that information, right? Over mm-hmm. over over that lab grown meat that has the patent or the copyright or whatever the appropriate um, mm-hmm. form of information ownership in that case would be. Um, I can see that being problematic when it comes to sustainability and feeding a hungry world. Right. Cause then it, 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 there, there's a market to it. Um, um, yeah. I
1: mean, if you talk about the monopolization of that technology, yeah, yeah. well we have yeah. to avoid, I mean, that's just a problem in general, the monopolization of information, the monopolization of any resource communication. It's just yeah. a huge problem in our world. So, yeah,
2: but, but like to talk about this as a answer to sustainability and to, um, you know, and and to and to hunger and feeding mm-hmm. feeding a world with a growing population, um, you know, for me that's it's it's not it might be part of the answer it might mm-hmm. might might fulfill some proportion of our current demand for for protein. Um, I'm just
1: intrigued by it in general because it removes 100 percent of the ethical impl- implications of eating meat. It's no longer tied to a, a sentient organism.
2: Well, I, I think it removes. It, it removes the ethical implications in terms of the animal, the animal angle. But, but yeah. then there's this other human angle, right? And that's not to mean like I don't know what the carbon implications are from producing mm-hmm. lab right? Like mm-hmm. there's there's mm-hmm. other there's yeah like like there's Solving many one many problem, right possibly right. creating others right right or we have to or, see or at least or at least not addressing the others right um, yeah which again is why you need a diverse toolbox yeah um so yeah to say that it 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 removes all of the ethical conundrums, I think is not entirely fair. It
1: removes this one. It moves, it, it, uh, it unarguably removes that one. Yeah. So uh, yeah, anyone who's opposed to killing an animal in any context, that concern is gone. Right, it's evaporated. Right. Yeah. Well,
2: yeah, at least for the direct killing of an animal, right? There's yeah. other, there's other more indirect you know, places where it's maybe harder to see the downstream effects. Of mm-hmm.
1: a, Economically, especially right, yeah. like,
2: um, this is a really stupid example, but if you had to chop down, uh, a, a native forest in order to build a factory to produce this lab grown meat then th- this native wildlife is going to suffer mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. in order to alleviate the suffering of these other animals right so like there's a there's a much broader um you know i think we can say that it 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 reduces the ethical implications of directly killing animals for food yeah. Um, yeah. but I, I just think, I, I think a lot of times we see articles and things that are sort of promoting, like this is going to save the world without maybe taking a step back and taking a zoomed out view and asking what are the other indirect things that we're not yeah. noticing yet?
1: Oh yeah. And I mean, yeah, as someone who knows very little about that product or that process, yeah. I have no idea, but yeah, I, I'm very, I'm always intrigued by these new innovations where I'm like, well, <laughs> you guys had a problem with this and problem solved. Right, you know? right, right. Yeah, I'm just very interested in what's going to happen in the next 50 years or so. These main problems facing mankind and what what science will come up with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 th- I think I got most of my questions in <laughs> and I think I, I, I definitely see the logic here. I see the logic regarding the uh, reduction of net suffering. That makes perfect sense. If you have chosen to eat meat, uh, if you have a problem with the way, uh, that the industry currently does it, this is an alternative. Um, right. And and I think something that we haven't talked about,
2: but probably should is mm -hmm. the issue of food waste. Okay. Right. Like, um, I cooked parts of that animal that I've never had before. That you I never n- know normally. I cooked eat, yeah. the heart. I cooked the gizzard. I saved the feet. I don't even know what a gizzard is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a part of a, some bird's biology. It breaks down. Um, it's like this muscle with like these two plates, and they rub against each other and break down the food, break down the seeds and things.
1: Oh, okay. But um, and only birds have them.
2: Uh, yes, I believe so. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Okay. Um, uh, and I saved the neck meat and the feet, the feet are a great source of collagen. I made stock, right? Ew. Like, <laughs> um, like all of these things that, um, again, you don't find in the rouse, right. you don't find in Gelson's.
1: Cause what do they do with though with that game, right? They just, they take the, 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 parts they want and then the rest. Right. With those animals. Yeah. yeah. They, what do they do with it? I mean, I imagine it just goes in the furnace or whatever. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, maybe some of it becomes, Who pet, knows what some of it becomes pet food, right? They're, they're, sure. Are. Um, you know, goes into hot dogs, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that's really the main point we don't know, yeah, and if you kill an animal and you, you do what do you know, do with it, and you right? know exactly what you did right. with it yeah.
2: like like here's what I threw away the guts mm-hmm. uh, the head, the beak, and the feathers, yeah the feathers, everything else. Became food, either in yeah. the stock pot or actual like in the muscle. You know?
1: Right. And so that's just purely quantitatively the number of meals yeah. you got uh, from one an organism yeah. probably must be at least triple yeah. what is done in the industry. You know? 100%. And, and uh, that's only one side of the coin. I mean, I'm also intrigued by the other side you're talking about here with the very uh, high price tags and yeah. uh, certain communities that are able to fund all these incredible... Uh, advancements for the you know it, it's it's one tool and toolbox of eradicating exactly. the third world. I mean it's uh, and and it and it would
2: not you know
1: it does not work in every ecosystem and right. every community in every place. You but, need to but have it, an organism that is that merits this kind of thing, right? But, and yeah.
2: and and you have to have the social like the human angles covered as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, the ecosystem has to be right. The um, habitat has to be right. Like there there's to say that any one tool will equally apply in every place is, right. is simply not the case right
1: right um diversify yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which i think i f- yeah i i i'm a fan of diversification in every pretty much every way that it can be <laughs> right right and some places the answer is shoot animals with cameras instead of with
2: guns right mm-hmm. but like nobody's going to take their vacation on the southern border of tajikistan across from afghanistan which is where i was right mm-hmm. like, but but the hunters will um, you know, so these communities—they're not going to. Like, there's a very, very... Like, they're trying to grow a little bit of tourism industry, but there's no infrastructure, there's no hotels, there's no restaurants, there's yeah.
1: no plumbing, right? These are not tourist right, destinations, right? right. right. So, 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 so but if you're a hunter, then they can be. Yeah. So, like,
2: place by place, yeah. you have to think about what are the tools yeah. that we have available in order to... And also, to when, when I go to Italy, I'm not
1: spending $120,000. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so How many
2: individual tourists does it take to make up... To equal one, yeah. Like, eco tourists, let's say, mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. normal vacationers, right? So there's, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of... There's a complex calculus, um, and it differs place by place, and um, mm-hmm. so we have to have all the tools available mm-hmm. to us. I think, like I, I don't think we can. I don't think we can afford to wait around to see which one works best. Like we, right. do, we have to. We have to do everything yeah. we can.
1: Yeah, anything that's promising ought to be investigated and, yeah. and furthered, and yeah. then we'll see where we're at in thirty years. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome cool i i learned a lot so thank yeah thanks for coming by cool thank you and uh thanks to everybody for listening cool and uh find if you live in california find alta
2: magazine um or altaonline.com and this, this, this piece will be online Check next this
1: piece month out. awesome cool all right thanks a lot Cool, thank you